Good morning. I don't know how many of you guys know my story, but Jesus, uh, Jesus entered in and, and changed my life when I was uh, back in the military. And uh, I was really hungry for Jesus at that time in my life and really hungry for others to know him and grow in him. And a few years later after that, it was quite suddenly, God called me out of the military and into seminary. And that time in my life, that was a really shocking move for me to do that. I went from spending a lot of time planning military and executing military operations to reading and writing a lot on Christianity. And so it was a very wild flip. And though, though I was getting a ton of amazing teachings and content on Jesus, my spiritual vitality just seemed to drastically decline. I wasn't really pouring into people as much, and people weren't really pouring into me. What I mean by that, we weren't really seeing each other's life. And I remember feeling dried up. In fact, I remember thinking, man, like, being the church should mean more than what I'm experiencing right now. Following Jesus should be a bit, I thought it would be a lot different than what I was experiencing in that time in my life. I remember longing to be around people who were serious about Jesus and serious about making disciples, and I actually felt alone in feeling that. And I, I remember wanting someone to come alongside me and take this stuff I was learning in the classroom and help me see, how does it really apply to my everyday life? And I cried out to God a, a ton of times, asking for someone to come alongside my life in that. And a couple years later, God brought me to Soma Tacoma and into a, a missional community where I got to interact with others and join in on the mission with others and, and see each other pour into one another and, and, and be about Jesus' mission, making disciples in all of life. Now, don't get me wrong, it was super messy. It was really, really, really messy in this community. But I think that's also why it was so life-impacting, because life is super messy. But as I engaged the community, there was a lot of brokenness that was being revealed in my heart. Jealousy and anger and things like that that were deep down in there that I was just kind of oblivious to. At that time, I was uh, dating Lisa, who's now my wife, and engaging community while pursuing a woman in relationship brought out basically a, a reality that in a lot of ways I was jacked up in how I pursued my wife. And I didn't know it at the time. In fact, one time, my MC leader, who's uh, Jeff Vanderstelt, who's my good friend and mentor, he had to sit me down in a living room with, my, with Lisa, who I was dating at the time, she's not my wife, and uh, his wife. And he basically looked at me and told me I could no longer date her until some things drastically changed in how I was pursuing Lisa. And now, by God's grace, that was an awesome, very much needed watershed moment in how I was pursuing Lisa at the time, but it was super humbling, super humbling, right? You guys can feel that, right? It's very, very humbling. But that's the kind of stuff God was doing. He was revealing brokenness that needed to be healed. He was revealing sins that needed to be repented of. And it was so, so good because I was being brought closer to Jesus. And as I was growing closer to Jesus, I was growing closer to who I am and who others are and how to engage them in my life. And I guess what I'm saying is this kind of life was transformed formative for me. It was super impactful. It went way beyond just a, a, a one meeting a week or a one-on-one, -on -one, one-hour meeting a week. It was life on mission with the people of God in everyday life, with mess and all. And my question for us today, my question for us today is, how is this happening in your life today? How is that happening in your life today? Who are you in intentional relationships with where Someone is pouring into you, and you're pouring into others. What does that look like for you currently as you live life?
for our talk today, we're going to get into how a healthy church family consists of those who seek to pour into one another's life in all aspects of life. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're now in Titus chapter 2 as we're working through Titus. And leading up to this chapter, we've talked about how we've had uh, God has established and appointed godly elders and leaders to be an example to the church. And then we talked about how false teachers were the opposite of that. They were dangerous examples to the church. In fact, submitting to their false teaching ruined the life of the church or ruins the life of the church. And now in Titus 2, Paul is saying, okay, now that we have a clear picture of what unhealth looks like in light of these false teachers and teachings in God's family, what does a healthy church family look like? And so for today, it, it's kind of like um, when we look at Titus 2, 1 through 10, that little section there, we're kind of entering into a mini-series. And within this mini-series, we're, we're calling it Healthy Family, what a healthy family looks like. And in light of this passage, we're going to be talking about gender roles and their distortions today. We're going to be talking about roles of husbands and wives in the home, and, and then also roles of men and women with, within the church. We're going to talk about alcohol. We're going to talk about slavery, because that's also mentioned in the passage. These are all things that are, we see in the passage. We're also going to talk about food, because the text mentions self-control. We thought that would be a good thing to talk about in light of that phrase. And so we have a lot of fun, super lighthearted conversations ahead of us. So stay tuned. Uh, hope to see you guys throughout this and afterwards. Uh, but for today, we're going to be talking about mentoring relationships. Mentoring relationships. Start off a little slow with this, with this series. So mentoring relationships. So Titus 2, 1 through 6, we get this idea of mentoring from there. You can follow along with me as I read. Paul says to Titus, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in the faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, and to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. And we're also going to take a broader look, just so we're very clear that the Bible says not only older women are to train younger women, but also men, older men also are to do likewise, and essentially all disciples in Jesus. In 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says this, And what, have you, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And I just want to take a second, too, and just say, um, the older men and women of Soma Tacoma, those of you with more gray hair than the rest of us, I want you guys to hear this loud and clear that your voice, your wisdom, your experience is so, 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 so much needed in this family. We need your input. We need your influence. And I just even want to say, to Don and Bunny, Mark and Roseanne, you guys have been an amazing example to our church family. And that thank you guys for how you've, you've been such a great example. And I'm seeing a bunch of heads nod in agreement with that. So thank you. So as the family of God, we are to be those who are seeking to pour into one another. So the question is, is what is it that we are to pour into one another? What is it that we are to pour into one another? Paul says in Titus 2, 1 that we just read, but as for you, teach what accords with, what does it say? Sound 
doctrine. Paul's essentially referring to the gospel. The list of family behaviors that he lays out that we just read is based on the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus. So what does it mean to pour the gospel into one another? Right? What does that mean? It's important we actually look at Jesus' life to answer that. And during Jesus' earthly life, he tended to see people as thirsty souls. Thirsty souls who really needed to be poured into. Um, He noticed people he came across were empty and dried up in their life. They were longing for, for more, and no matter how hard they tried, whether it was through religious means or grabbing onto worldly things, they were never satisfied. It, it just wasn't ever enough. And, and we know that we can look around our world, and, and we're not too different. It, actually, maybe even some of you guys are here this morning, and you might be feeling a little empty yourself, a little dried up, a little weary in the soul. Well, Jesus saw himself as the one who came to bring the kind of drink, to bring the kind of provision that would lead people to never thirst again. One instance, he was at a Jewish party, and they named this Jewish party the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. And during this annual eight-day feast, thousands of Jews would, would come together, and they would live in temporary shelters or booths. And the celebration was really a reminder with God that in all his glory, in all his splendor, in all his majesty and power, he is the God who dwells among his people. Feast of Booze was a reminder that God guided his people 40 years into the wilderness and that he showed them every night where to camp and that he then led them to Jerusalem and he had them build a temple so that he could dwell among his people. And that is why Feast of Booze was a very important celebration. And that's what Jesus um, at, was at this one time, they were celebrating it. And at the end of the party, at the end of the celebration, he, he stands up, and it's recorded in John 7. In John 37, he cries out, and he says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so what Jesus was saying is not only will God dwell among his people, but because of Jesus now, he will dwell in, in his people. And that is why he says faith in him will not only quench our thirst forever, but will actually satisfy us to the degree we ourselves will become vessels, vessels where rivers of living water would actually be bubbling up within us and gushing out of us. Because The Almighty God himself is actually inside of us doing that work. And in verse 39, in John 7, he makes really clear that this comes about by the power of the Holy Spirit that is given through the death and resurrection of Jesus on our behalf. So God, the Holy Spirit, he dwells in us and he makes us his walking, living temples. It's absolutely astounding. And here's why that's amazing. Here's why I hope we're hearing this this morning. Because if you are here and you doubt that, and you're a follower of Jesus, and you doubt you have something to pour into another person, please don't doubt anymore. Because if you have the Spirit, Almighty God is inside of you to gush out of you to pour into others. Don't deny that. In Jesus, you carry the very presence of God wherever you go. 
And he has designed it like that so his presence could be ministering in you and through you so that others would get to taste and see and really experience the life of Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. Does that sound amazing to you? I want to hear it. Does it sound amazing to you? It's absolutely astounding that Jesus stood up and he made this claim and he made it happen by pouring himself inside of us. And this is absolutely foundational to how we understand mentoring, how we understand discipleship. And here's why. There's three reasons why this is important. First is mentoring, in light of that truth, is life on life. Mentoring is life on life. Mentoring is not just a one-hour meeting. It's, it's, it's not primarily content or teaching-based, though those things are good and absolutely necessary. But mentoring is to be relational, and it's to be everyday life, in all of life. Here's why. Carrying the presence of God, if we really understand this, carrying the presence of God, it touches everything. Everything. This includes washing your car. It includes walking the dog. It includes doing your finances and budget. It includes mopping the floor. It includes washing the dishes. It includes parenting your kids. It includes leading a business meeting. It includes going out to lunch with your friends. It includes playing in sports. It includes going out with your girlfriends for a drink, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It includes all of life. And this is why mentoring relationships should never be relegated to either merely learning to read the Bible on the one hand or merely learning to cook or change a tire. You can start mentoring in either one of those, to be really clear, but both are to be areas where we grow in the presence of Jesus, if that makes sense. We see that in Titus. Paul says to teach sound doctrine, and then later on he says um, to teach what is good, and he's talking about very practical, basic things. I remember Jeff Like I said, my good friend and mentor, he invited me many times to do work projects around the home, whether in the yard or remodeling the house, and while I was in this mission community. And through that, I practically learned a lot about stewardship of a home. I learned about how to take care of a home through, through, through those things. But I also learned, because God's constant presence, about Jesus and my need for him. And I especially learned that at a time when we had a work project and some of my friends that were supposed to come didn't show up. And so I was left all alone to work on that stuff. God brought about all kinds of heart struggles during those times that I got to work out with Jesus on the roof of Jeff's house or on the ground while doing some, you know, yard work. I, Jesus took care of me a ton and my heart issues in that. Or Jeff came alongside me as I ranted and raged and patiently prayed for me and talked me through that stuff. I learned a lot about Jesus as I also learned a lot about caring for a home. So within your mentor relationships, do you seek to see the presence of Jesus poured into others in all of life? Or do you tend to separate God's stuff with kind of everyday life stuff? And I would actually like to offer this definition for a mentor relationship. Mentoring is forming intentional relationships with others where the presence of Jesus is bringing about mutual growth in all of life. The presence of Jesus is bringing about mutual growth in all of life. This is why Jesus discipled primarily at mealtime or as he was going to and from meals, if you read Jesus' accounts in the Gospels. Jesus was essentially saying, hey, follow me. Watch my life, and you're going to learn what it means to actually have a relationship with God. Paul picked up on that as well. He urged the church to be imitators of him. In Philippians 3.17, he says, brothers, join in imitating me. 
And he also says this, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So basically, the Bible's saying, if you want to grow in a deep and rich relationship with Jesus, pursue life with other serious believers and pay attention. Pay attention to their life because the presence of Jesus is ministering in and through his people. He's ministering in us and among us, so pay attention. I I remember seeing and experiencing this a lot during dinner times at Jeff's house. One night in particular, I remember uh, Jeff's son Caleb was acting up and he actually got a little rebellious and things escalated quickly. I just remember him running upstairs and Jeff was on hot pursuit after him. And I remember thinking in that moment like, oh crap, Caleb is going to get it. I remember I was like, man, this is it for him. In my heart, I even think I was like cheering him on as if he could actually get away. I was like, come on, Caleb, bro, bro. You know, in my heart, get away, buddy. And some of you guys might not know, you know, you might not know my story, but I grew up in a household that disciplined uh, violently. Actually, it, it wasn't even discipline. It was abuse. It was abuse in my home. And at that time in my life, I didn't see any other household dynamic other than the one I grew up in. So, you know, when I'm hearing this take place, I'm like, this is, it's coming. Caleb's getting it. But as I listened, because we live in, a, you know, his house, you could hear everything going on, just like my house, which makes things fun when you got housemates. But you, uh, I, I, as I was hearing, I heard something different come out of Jeff. He was definitely firm, that for sure. But I heard self-control. I heard a ton of grace and a ton of love in, in how he disciplined his son. And now that was like an everyday kind of occurrence in the Vanderstelt house. I mean, not that they're perfect and that they were messy in that too, but, but that was a pattern you see in their home. But for me in that moment, my world was getting flipped upside down. My world was absolutely getting flipped upside down. And as I said, I studied a lot about Jesus and how, like, you know, he, he has died for my sins. But in that moment, in that moment, what I witnessed um, made what I had studied actually become real and personal, if that makes sense. Like, God used that moment to help me really experience the powerful reality that the Father graciously lavishes his love and acceptance, especially, especially in the midst of discipline. And for someone like me who grew up having discipline synonymous with abuse, that was life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And I'll never forget it. It connected with me. It connected with my story. And so that's why mentoring, discipleship, it needs to be life on life. Because you cannot adequately be discipled through listening to sermons on podcasts. I just have to say that. That is not the primary way you're going to grow as a disciple. You cannot adequately be discipled by reading tons. I don't even care about the most brilliant Christian writers. You cannot adequately be discipled through merely just reading blogs or reading stuff about Christianity. You need to participate in intentional relationships where you are growing in the presence of Jesus with other believers. Can I get an amen to that? Is your life available for others to see? Is it a priority to have others see your life? And I just want to offer this up to you guys. Meal times are great times to join in each other's life. Lunch time, dinner time, breakfast time. They're fabulous times to do that. And oh, by the way, I'll just say this too. Again, just a reminder, like Abe did, like, please, 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 let's not buy into the culture's lie that your life, because he was talking a little about money, but I'm, I'm going to talk about your time. your time. It's not yours. The grace of God through Jesus, he bought us from living a life for ourselves to even say, this is my time and I do what I want with it, to actually live in a place where we belong to Jesus, we belong to God, and we get to use his time for his glory, for his purposes. We've been saved for that. The spirit is in us to lead us to that. 
So how are you taking your time saying, Jesus, King of heaven and earth, the Lord of my life, the lover of my soul, how do you want me to use your mealtimes that you've given me through this week to join in on the life of other believers so that your presence might be known and that we might grow in that? Also, are you willing to be vulnerable and let people not only see your mess, but actually even bring a word of correction to your life that causes you to change? And, 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 and if you don't know if you're approachable in that way, Ask those that are close to you, hey, is it, do you feel safe to like come to me sometimes and bring a word of correction? Challenge me in some of the things I'm doing? Is there that kind of vulnerability in your relationships? Are you pursuing, are you pursuing more mature followers in Jesus for guidance? And, I, and I'm talking about all ages here, kiddos that aren't in mission kids. How much are you guys looking up to people who radically love Jesus? How much are you paying attention to the lives of those who are crazy about Jesus? How much are we looking to pursue and go, God, lead me to people that would love to pour in me, who love Jesus? How about this? Does your mentor relationships, do they consist of more than one person? If you ask any professional counselor, they'll tell you all day long that one-on-one, weekly, one-hour meetings, in and of themselves, because they're good, but in and of themselves is not going to bring about substantial transformation. God created an interdependent community for us to grow up in. In fact, Dylan, a young man who we baptized uh, this past Sunday, um, whose mom, uh, Kelly, also participated in that baptism. I mean, if I had them up, these guys have grown so much over the last couple years. And if I had them up here sharing on stage, they would never say, like, yeah, it was only because of this, this one person or these two people. And they wouldn't even say it's, it's because of this one MC. It's, it's because of many people within the church that had chances of pouring into them and seeing God use that to see them grow up. We're just amazing. Again, we got to baptize them last week. It's awesome how much they're growing. And I just say that as an example. We need that. All of us need that for growth in Jesus' family. So who is in your life? Who knows you and sees your life? Is it at least two people? And I just want to say this too. If you're new here and you're not part of a missional community, don't hesitate to be obedient to what Jesus has already called you to do and join in with another brother or sister. Jesus says wherever two or more are gathered, his presence is there. That's pretty amazing. So don't hesitate to grab a a believer or two and get in the word, get into prayer and share the gospel with others. Please do that. Take time this week. I want to challenge us as a family. Take time this week and say, okay, God, who are the people already in my life and how can I be more intentional in living life on life with them so that Jesus, your mission can go forth in us and through us? Ask them. The second thing, mentoring is, is life on mission. Mentoring is life on mission. Jesus says in John 15 that they, the world, those who don't yet know him, will know that we are his disciples by the way we love one another. And God, by his spirit, he dwells in us and among us, as we've been saying, and he's made us his very own family so that we'd actually welcome others that don't yet know him to say, hey, come on and join us in this family dynamic and come and see what life with God looks like. Kind of like that statement, belong before you believe. God uses that as a way to bring people to faith at times. I have a a friend, Alex. I've known him for about six years, and uh, he's been only a believer for a couple years. And um, when I first befriended him, he wasn't walking with Jesus. And he'd I basically invited him into my life, my friends, my uh, dinner time. Uh, he would also join us at missional community events and meetings. 
He'd see us pray for one another. He'd see us worshiping Jesus, reading our Bibles, and doing all that Jesus-following stuff. He was, he was seeing that stuff, and it was a part of it. And there's times I talked to him about Jesus. There's times I uh, invited him to put his faith in Jesus, and he also had the opportunity to decline me in that, which he did do at times very respectfully. And, and yet he said, you know, he still loved being in our community and still wanted to hang with us, and I encouraged him in that. I remember I even took a couple of times where I, I made it, it was important to me for him to know that I really loved him and I loved his presence in our community because I really did. And I wanted, I wanted Alex not to superficially put his faith in Jesus because he feels pressure from the community. I wanted him to put his faith in the real presence and person of Jesus that I knew who was walking in and among us. And it was really cool. We had this one conversation one time that uh, he, I asked where he, where he was at with Jesus and he said um, that he's kind of counting the cost what it means to follow Jesus. And I thought that was cool because he's actually seeing the cost lived out in front of him within this community. And the Spirit is using that to tug at his heart and to bring him to himself. And it was about, it was at least a year he was hanging out with us before he came to faith. And he was baptized. And God worked that. And the cool thing is, is he's still on the growing continuum of discipleship as we all are, but now he's as one who has his faith in Jesus. So what I want to say to that is don't miss the opportunity to not only share, look to share the gospel with someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, but take the time to actually invite them to see your life and the life of your community because the very presence of God is at work in and among you to show the world who he is and what he's like in everyday life. And he wants to use us, the people, not just a a brilliant, eloquent evangelist. He wants to use the people of God in the messy stuff of life, especially in our weaknesses, to glorify his name so that others might know him and come to faith in Jesus. Don't miss that. And parents, I just have to say this too. Parents, please do not miss the amazing opportunity you have on Jesus' mission to make disciples of your kiddos. Do not miss that amazing opportunity, and, and especially moms that have the honor and privilege and the, just the ability to have the opportunity to spend the majority of your time with kids uh, in the home. Please don't let anybody tell you that that's not on Jesus' mission and making disciples the way you're pouring into your kids throughout the day. That you, the kingdom of God is expanding in the homes through moms parenting their kids in Jesus. I'm telling you what. That, you want to see the movement of God? It's happening in the homes with parents and their kids. Please, don't let Satan lie. Don't let the world lie. Because Jesus wants to move in and through you, and it's valuable. It's rich what you're doing in your homes. The last, the last uh, note is mentoring is prayerful and spirit-dependent. Prayerful and spirit-dependent. I got, I got nothing here other than what we kind of just talked about, to be honest with you, because I, I honestly believe the Spirit just wants to hit this, like drill this in deep into our hearts. That when Jesus cried out in John 7, 37, I'm going to say it again, if anyone thirsts, this is what Jesus says, he's like, if anyone thirsts, some of you guys are thirsting here this morning, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I, I don't see any barriers, I don't see any qualifications. He's saying, let him, let you here this morning, you come to him and drink whoever believes in him as the scriptures have said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water there's no qualification here. come drink come drink 
That's his offer to you sitting here this morning. The Spirit of God is the one at work. It is the Spirit of God who is the one at work ministering his presence in and through us. It's his work. He is the one who does it. Man, if we would but believe Jesus, if we would but just believe his words, if we would take him at his word, if we wouldn't hold up our sin above his word, if we wouldn't hold up our failure above his word, if we wouldn't hold up our circumstances above his word, if we would just allow that crap to go over there and just take him at his word, the power of God would just move. Do you believe that? The spirit of God has been given, has been poured out. We don't even need to beg. It's just, it's there. It's in us. It's at work. Do we believe that? And I, friends, I'll just tell you, that's the basis of what healthy discipleship, healthy mentoring is. That's, that's, that's its basis right there. It's the spirit of God. Are you, are we operating in the spirit's power as we disciple others, as we mentor others? Again, I remember a year ago, uh, maybe, maybe even more a year ago, I remember Kelly uh, pursued me and my wife to talk about some budgeting and organizing of our budget, which, by the way, is a very important, vulnerable uh, uh, thing to do in the community that we need to build a culture in. And so thank you for that, sister, just that example to us. So she came to us and saying, like, hey, I want to work through budget stuff. And I remember that night, me and Lisa had our laptops open. We're ready to, like, really just get into some budgeting principles and, and or- just organizing her budget. And by God's grace, he just came in and said, you know, ask a question. The question I asked her before we really got into it was like, hey, sister, like, what does uh, prayer and listening to the Spirit look like for you as you're working through your budget? And she real quick said, because she was following, she's a follower of Jesus, even at that time, she goes, I, I actually don't know how to listen to God. Which again, very vulnerable, thankful for your honesty in that. It's huge. And so in that moment, I, I closed my laptop because I realized Kelly needed to learn what it means to be dependent on the Spirit. Why? Because apart from, apart from the Spirit of God, we can do nothing, the Bible says. We can do nothing. And, and God has already given himself to her to steward all his stuff for his glory anyways, beyond money. And I tell you what, it's so easy to miss it. In my flesh, I could just give Kelly all kind of great ideas and next step. It's so easy to do that. I was about to do it until the Spirit kind of stopped me in the moment. And, and I would assume she's good to go. She would assume the same thing. But, the, but that's not who we are. That's not who God's made us to be. Do we know that? We are spirit-filled followers of Jesus. Do you guys know that? That's the identity that God's given you if you're here believing in Jesus. You're a spirit-filled being in Jesus we are completely, utterly dependent on God every moment. And I thank God for that moment because, Kelly, how much you've been growing over this past year. I know I've told you, I'm just going to tell you in front of everybody. It's amazing. You are becoming an influencer and a leader in how you are being led by the Spirit and encouraging others through prayer. It's absolutely amazing. And I thank God for just his ability to come in and do that kind of work. We need that. So my question for us is how prayerful are you and intentional relationships that you're in with others? Are you looking to see the Spirit of God actually being poured into them, or are you just giving them more of yourself, or just some good advice? How prayerful are you in discerning to mentor others? Jesus spent all night one night on his face talking to the Father before he chose the 12. 
oh, how much more do we need that posture of humility? We're like, God, who are you calling me to pour into? Who are you calling to me to pour into? And expect that he'll lead and show us. He'll lead and show us. How much are the people we're already pouring into? Do we just even pray for them? I'll tell you what, the times I do it, which I have so much to grow in. How much do we spend time praying for the people God's called in our lives? Those times when I get to do that, I feel so much great love for them. I feel so much encouragement in what I'm doing. So much compassion and energy. How much are we praying for those that God's already put in our lives? Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is actually the primary disciple. The Spirit is the one who guides to all truth, the Bible says. He is the one who is the primary mentor and disciple of our lives. How much more do we need to go to him on behalf of our brothers and sisters and cry out for God to move in and through them? Another question is, are you aware of actually Jesus' presence in the room, in the place you're actually hanging out or having a meeting in? Just aware that he's actually really, really there. It's funny, we had that stool up here. Now I wish it was up here, but it's not up here. But I, I love that one time where, where Abe preached and he was talking about how Jesus is like really here. Like how much do we realize like he's actually really here? His presence is here. The first time I actually seen that dynamic workout is watching Dun and Bunny disciple someone. I, I was new to someone. I remember, you guys probably don't even remember, but I was sitting in your home and, and they were talking, interacting with the Bible and prayer and others as if really Jesus was right there. There's a lot of time of listening and, okay, I think he's saying this and going this way, with, with, uh, you know, with the word of God. And it's powerful, so powerful. Do we really believe that he's right there with us? Do we really believe he's right here, right now? I would say this week or, you know, in the next couple of weeks, the next time you have a meeting with someone, take five minutes and just say, Holy Spirit, will you fill me right now so I'll be aware of your presence? The Bible says we're supposed to be constantly filled by the Spirit. Ephesians says that. We've got to ask for that. Maybe... We're going to spend some time doing some prayer with each other in a, in a little bit. And some of you just need to go to another brother and sister who, will you please pray that the Holy Spirit would fill me? I hope you do that. I hope you take Jesus at his word that he wants to do that in and through you. Maybe you, you desire to have someone pour into you, and you've desired that maybe for a long time, and maybe you're even starting to feel lonely and overlooked. And... One thing I, I just want to share with you that I wish I would have heard when I was in that place was, please don't miss out. Though that's a good longing to want someone to pour in you, please don't miss out the fact that you have the abiding presence of Jesus right now. You have the Holy Spirit who's the spirit of comfort right now to see you and love you and guide you. Don't miss that. And maybe you need to get prayed for in that this morning. Maybe you're here and you don't have the Spirit, and I just want to say, in order to walk by the power of Spirit, it's through faith in Jesus. Do you love Jesus? More important, do you realize that he first loved you and that he has died on the cross for your sins? And if that's tantalizing and enjoyable to you to hear that, I just want to tell you that's the Spirit of God. And the Spirit says, the Bible says, to just confess with your mouth that Jesus is King. And, and I, want, I want to encourage you to do that. Follow him. Don't wait. The Spirit of God just is gushing out and wanting to pour himself out all over you. Enjoy that. Receive that. Follow King Jesus. And I, I want to tell you to go to someone today and, and tell them that and let them pray for you in that. As I close, I, I, I was praying and asking God this week to help illustrate to me a powerful picture of what a mentor relationship really looks like in his kingdom. And it was so cool how uh, last week I was gardening and he showed me. I was actually able to, uh, to take a picture of it. Here it is. 
see it in a second. Awesome picture here. I have uh, um, Lindsay is sitting down the grass. She is our, my friend and housemate. She's pulling some weeds. And then my, my little daughter is four years old, Lucy, also known as little Lulu, is sitting on her lap, helping her out, hanging out with her. And what we have here is this picture where you have Lindsay, a lot older than Lucy, uh, hanging out with Lucy. My daughter has not yet put her faith in Jesus. You have my uh, Lucy who looks up to Lindsay, and Lindsay is a serious follower of Jesus, and Lindsay is choosing to make her time available to my little girl. You also have Lindsay who's not just trying to hurry up and get things done. We, we were taking a day to pull weeds and do work around the house, and she's not just, all right, I need to hurry up and get this done and move about my day in a hurried manner. But as she's doing the work of stewarding the home God's given us, she also sees an opportunity to take advantage and steward relationship. And I believe that's the presence of Jesus that's at work in here. And then you also see here, this is everyday stuff. We're out gardening and working on our house, typically uh, on a rhythmic basis. And she's simply being intentional with what's in front of her by the Spirit's guidance. By the Spirit's guidance. And I, I, I believe God's brilliant in, in, in even showing us this, and here's why. Like, God wants to invite everyone everyone here to join in on this mission and what he's up to in this world, to pour himself out in you and through you in the everyday stuff of life. He wants everybody to play the game. I hope that's exciting to you. I hope that's exciting to you. I hope there's an excitement in that. And, I, and, I, and honestly, I believe right now God, God wants us to minister his presence and power through Jesus right now to one another, through prayer. So that's what we're actually going to do. We're going to spend and get a little taste as God's people to see him minister his presence and power through prayer for one another. So I want to invite um, first, uh, actually before, before I get anybody to stand up, um, actually no, we'll do this right now. I would like leaders to stand up. If you're a leader in this church family, would you please stand up? Brian, you can go ahead and come up on stage. If you're a leader in this church family, you can, you can stand up. I know we got more than this. All right, looks like we've got a lot of leadership development to do right in front of us. There you go. You, you can stand up, James, yes. You can stand up, Scott and Rebecca, if you guys were wondering. All right. So I want anybody that's new here or might not feel comfortable with someone or going to someone. or I, I, I wanted you guys to stand up first just so people know that, hey, they can come to you guys and feel trust, you know, trustworthy to, to get prayed for. So I want you guys to feel the freedom to go to any one of these guys and ask for prayer. Um, I also, as Abe said before too, if you, you're here and you really feel like you need prayer too, don't hesitate to go to also to somebody else and get prayer. That's actually a good example of leadership. So, so don't get tripped up on that. Um, but I wanted everybody to see you guys. So I'd love everybody to stand up. And um, for some of you leaders, I'd love for you guys to go off on the side of the, 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 the chair so people can have more access to you. And what we're going to do is uh, Brian's just going to lead us in song. And I want us to kind of just take a posture of listening to Jesus and paying attention to his presence because he's here. And like I said, he's wanting to minister his presence in and through us through prayer. And so some of you guys might be going to one of these or anybody and saying, hey, can you just pray for me right now? I'm feeling empty and dried up, and I just got to be honest about that. And I, I, I just, I want, I just need prayer. Can you pray, Spirit, to fill me? Or you go to someone else saying, 
I, I realize I've been way dependent on my flesh and myself and not on God and how I'm discipling and leading. Can you please pray for me? Or, hey, I, I've never believed in Jesus. Uh, I, I believe now. Could you please pray for me in that? Or I'm sick and I'm hurting and I'm longing or I'm scared and I'm fearful. Could, could you please pray for me in that? It could be any one of those things. But I just know this. Jesus is standing up here and saying, like, I, if you thirst, come and drink. He offers the drink. He offers the living water to you to fill you up. So please, please don't miss that. Don't leave here without enjoying and tasting how good Jesus is and being filled up by his spirit. So I'm going to pray right now. We're going to sing a song, and then I'll come up here, and then afterwards we'll be led into communion. But, Father, I just pray right now that you would help us focus right now on your abiding presence through Jesus by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you fill this place right now and move and minister to us and lead us to be Spirit-filled people, to be prayed for, to pray for others. God, I pray you would lead people in this room to maybe give a word of encouragement to some. And would you lead many to just humble themselves and just, God, cry out to you with others. But I pray all of us, no matter where we're at, we would sit and just ponder your presence and sit with you. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way with us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.